0: There's a case we've been hearing about a lot lately Gabby Petito. She disappeared earlier this month. Her body was found last weekend in Wyoming.
1: Every true crime story has the opportunity to be about something bigger,
0: to be about a bigger issue. Connie Walker is a journalist and the host of a true crime podcast. And for her, this story is also about the women of color who disappear and are never mentioned in the news. Meanwhile, Gabby's name has been everywhere, on TV, in newspapers. Our resident TikTok expert, Dave Jorgensen, says it's been impossible to miss the case on social media.
2: seemed like everyone was hearing about it, especially on TikTok.
1: And that makes me feel really sad. As an Indigenous woman, it makes me feel sad. It makes me question, you know, how are our stories valued in the media? How are
0: our lives valued in media and in society? So many others have also gone missing. Black, brown, and trans people. And in the same state where Gabby was found, hundreds of Indigenous women. Why don't we know their names? From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Emma Telkoff. It's Friday, September 24th. We wanted to understand how this case got so much attention. So we talked to two people who have followed this story from very different angles. First, Dave Jorgensen. Then, investigative reporter Connie Walker.
2: So it was shortly after Gabby Petito's parents had filed a missing persons report, which suddenly it it had just skyrocketed in terms of attention on TikTok, but also even Instagram and elsewhere.
0: Dave Jorgensen is the man behind the Washington Post TikTok account. And he says the Gabby Petito hashtag has over 900 million views on the app. There are all these theories floating around about how she died. But here's what we actually know. Gabby and her fiancé, Brian Laundrie, left New York this summer for a cross-country van trip.
2: And they had been sharing various videos and pictures on YouTube and Instagram throughout this. Since we left New York, I've only set up my hammock once. (laughs) And now we're all the way in Utah. And luckily enough, I was able to set up my hammock one of these trees.
0: And we're kind of like in the desert. (laughs) Very few trees. (laughs) In early September, Brian returned home without Gabby. Gabby's parents filed a missing persons report on September 11th. 10 days later, a body was discovered in Grand Teton National Park. It was Gabby. The coroner ruled her death a homicide. Brian Laundrie was last seen September 14th.
2: A very happy couple are on a road trip. They're posting everything. It's a, It's the idyllic social media life. And suddenly something goes wrong. And now everyone online is trying to figure out what's happening.
0: And like, I'm not really on TikTok. What do these videos look like? Like, what are people posting about her?
2: So what I'm seeing is two different type of TikToks. You have content that is, you know, almost purely speculative. They're social media is And it's all based on just... Hearsay. But the other type of TikToks that I'm seeing are more information based and or fact-based, and they're just timelines of what's happened so far. Uh, and that was actually the first TikToks I started to see on the app was the here's what's happening explainers.
0: Can we listen to a few of those TikToks about the Petito case? Are there any that you can highlight? Sure.
3: Police are looking for 22-year-old Gabby Petito. She disappeared while traveling in a van cross-country with her fiance Brian Laundry. She's been missing since late August.
0: Wow, I was really surprised by how much the this person's in their voiceover is clearly striking a very like straight newscaster tone.
2: Yeah, this is the 2021 version of cable news for a, a lot of people on TikTok because they're getting a summary, and this is 53 seconds, and this came out as people were just kind of becoming aware of the case. And as you can see visually, it's almost entirely just Instagram photos and YouTube footage from their road trip.
0: Wow, that is super interesting. Okay, let's see another one. Wow, okay, so this is like a crowd of people outside of Brian Laundrie's house? Yes. And there's a caption that they've put on there, cop going to car to get second evidence back. They're showing a couple of police officers walking outside of just like someone's house, someone's lawn. So it's obvious from this that a lot of people, TikTokers, just regular people, have like shown up to the house Mm -hmm. to to film this and try to capture it and be a part of it.
2: Yeah, and I'm pretty sure this particular one, which is either the first or second TikTok you see if you search the hashtag Gabby Petito. It is, I'm almost certain from a user that's not necessarily a popular TikToker. This is just sort of someone that posted this and it took off. So she has 2 million likes on this. The hashtag has over 900 million views on TikTok as of an hour ago, and and it's going up quickly.
0: I'd love to hear one more.
2: This next one is, is more in line with what you see a lot on TikToks. They use the green screen effect on their phone. They have a screenshot of something behind them, maybe several things that intercut throughout. And they're just talking about it, pointing at it, basically beginning to draw a conclusion about what is on the screen behind them.
3: So I, like many people, have been very invested in the Gabby Petito case um and i found this tweet on twitter which i thought was really interesting and i just wanted to make a TikTok about it so maybe it would get even more traction
2: um this is you know as things were really again ramping up where people were becoming more and more aware but especially on TikTok, people that were you know social media sleuthing where they were looking at gabby petito's instagram page and coming up with a lot of theories
3: so as you can see in this picture her blonde is pretty much right on the route um and that was posted august 25th so even if there were no pictures um before that showing that she does have roots i find it highly unlikely that this entire road trip she went to a salon look at her roots in this picture they're brown they are brown um and this was taken on july twenty sixth. so something's not adding up right
2: And it falls in that bucket of true crime YouTube and TikTok where it's not unlike when they investigated something that happened 20 years ago, but this is in real time. So it's a little bit, it's just, it's it's a little dangerous uh, in terms of information, but also it's just, it's the first time I remember ever seeing some kind of thing happening in real time and the sort of reaction that people have to really old crimes happening on TikTok.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask like what kind of, how how has true crime sort of popped up before on TikTok? Has this been sort of a theme before or is this the first time you're really seeing it take off?
2: So again, it's not something I normally am like fed or looking for, but I've certainly been on that area before where it's very much like that last one where you have people just on the green screen function putting some kind of screenshots behind them and just walking you through a case and then often kind of giving you the potential outcomes or the, why it's unsolved. So it's certainly something that's existed before. And it, it, you could say the sort of infrastructure was in place for this to happen when this became a national incident.
0: So what does all of this, like the explosion of all these videos and their massive popularity say to you about TikTok as a platform?
2: Like any platform, but especially on TikTok, there's a, there's a sort of double-edged sword or double standard even, where it's a good thing that you have everyone trying to help and provide evidence. But you also, of course, have all this other stuff that's not really helpful and potentially spreading misinformation. And then a lot of people are brought up too that, you know, in the same area in Wyoming, there's been over 700 cases of, of missing indigenous people that have gone unsolved. And you see that on TikTok too, where people are bringing this up and they're going, Gabby Petito and her family are mourning. We're not trying to take away from that, but we would like to bring up that it's interesting that these cases don't get the same kind of coverage or or, or leverage or on a place like TikTok.
0: After the break, a journalist who has been covering those cases, even when she has to fight to do it. We'll be right back. I saw the
1: headline about the area where she went missing and where she was found. That there are hundreds of Indigenous women and girls who
0: have gone missing from that area as well. That's Connie Walker. For over a decade, she's been reporting on disappearances of Indigenous women. Between 2011 and 2020, more than 700 Indigenous women went missing in the same state where Gabby Petito's body was found. That's according to a report from the University of Wyoming. Many of those women are still unaccounted for. I think that
1: the thing about Gabby's case is is that you see this kind of coverage, you see this kind of attention and resources being focused on her case, but the reality is that people like Gabby are not the ones who are, are disproportionately affected by violence, that indigenous women face incredible rates of violence in this country and they get a fraction of the attention.
0: how did you um, first start getting involved in that work? I mean, I've been a journalist for
1: over 20 years, and I've always been interested in reporting on stories about Indigenous communities. But the reality was that for most of my career, for many, many years, there wasn't very much interest or appetite in hearing stories from our communities. But this issue of violence against Indigenous women and girls is something that, You know, I've been aware of my whole life, like, you know, it's part of my lived experience as an indigenous woman and part of so many indigenous women's experiences. And the first story that I ever heard of a missing or murdered indigenous woman was when I was in high school and, and a woman named Pamela George was killed in rural Saskatchewan, which is where I grew up and where I was from. And and it was the first time I thought about becoming a journalist because of the coverage of Pamela's death and because so much of the coverage was actually focused on the two white men who were charged, you know, in her death. And the way that Pamela was spoken about in the media was just so dehumanizing and disrespectful. You know, it made me wonder about who were the people who were reporting on these stories. But, you know, it would be... Decades, really, before I,
0: I got the opportunity to to help try to change that narrative. Connie spent years as an investigative reporter with the CBC, Canada's public radio network. Now she hosts a podcast called Stolen, The Search for Jermaine. It's about the disappearance of one Indigenous woman in Montana.
1: I think about Jermaine Charlotte and... You know, Jermaine Charlo was a young Indigenous mother from the Confederated Salish and Kootenai Tribes in Montana who went missing in 2018. Again, I think I just saw so many similarities between her case and, and Gabby's. They were both these beautiful young women who were very active on social media, who seeming to be involved in relationships where there was intimate partner violence and who disappeared w- without a trace, it seemed. And, and also I think who had families uh, and friends who were desperate for information. And I think that seeing what's happened and how Gabby's story has unfolded in the media has just made me feel, you know, so so terrible for Jermaine's family because I can't help but look at it and wonder, like, if Jermaine's case had been given the same kind of attention and the same kind of media coverage, what other resources could have been unlocked? You know, like, w- would it have impacted, and I'm sure it would have, the police response in Jermaine's disappearance? You know, she's been missing for over three years. Her family is still looking for her. They still have not been able to bring her home. And I know that Jermaine is is one of hundreds, if not thousands of indigenous women uh, and girls across North America whose cases haven't gotten the same kind of attention as Gabby's. And it makes me question, you know, why it is that, uh, you know, some cases get more attention than
0: others. When you see, you know, all these headlines start to crop up, all this attention about a white woman who has gone missing, what sort of feelings does that bring up for you? angry. I feel upset that it's 2021 and we're still grappling with this
1: in media and we're still grappling with this in journalism. And, you know, I just feel so frustrated by it. I started like my journalism career in in 2000 about. And in 2006, I was, I got an email one day and it was before social media. And it was when people would send out those email chains, like please forward, please forward as a way to help get news and information out. And I got one of those about a girl who I knew from back home who had gone missing. And she was a young, beautiful indigenous woman. I knew her because she was the same age as my sister. And I actually coached her in volleyball um, when I was in university and her family had sent out this email chain because they were desperate to try to find her. And that, that same summer, another woman went missing, but from Markham, Ontario, which is a suburb of Toronto, but the difference was that Alicia's case, you know, had gotten national media attention. It was on the cover of the national newspapers and was, was covered by the national newscasts. And Amber, who was a young indigenous woman from Saskatchewan, barely got any local news coverage. And I remember, you know, wanting to pitch a story. So I went in to talk to my boss, my editor, um, to pitch a story about these two women and to kind of examine the way that, that the media was covering their disappearances. And and I, I started my pitch and and before I could get very far, she held up her hand and she said, this isn't another poor Indian story, is it? And, and that was the attitude, I think, for a long time um, in newsrooms about this crisis of
0: violence that so many indigenous women and girls face. So Connie, obviously this case has gotten so much attention. Does that say something about the media itself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that in a lot of ways, this Gabby Pepita story is a story about the media. It's a story about who is making the decisions in newsrooms across the country. That this is a story that deserves this kind of attention. That this is a story that Americans and Canadians care about. That this is a story that we should be investing this kind of time and energy and, and resources to. And and I think that the fact that you know white women are disproportionately not the ones who are affected by violence in the way that that Indigenous or Black or other people of color are. And I think that we need to be, as journalists and and storytellers and podcasters, need to be asking the questions about why it is that these stories are the ones that are punching through and breaking through. And looking around our newsrooms and looking around at at who is sitting next to us and who's getting to make those decisions and who's missing. And what are we doing to, to try to ensure that we're creating safe spaces for Journalists from marginalized communities, and and other people, like you know, there's this issue of representation is not new. Uh, I've been having these conversations for far too many years, and it it's long overdue that that media takes a, a close and hard look at at what we should be doing to ensure that we are reflecting the truth. Because the truth is, it's Black, Indigenous, and other people of color. Uh, who are disproportionately affected by violence. And I think that like the other thing that this has also made me think about is this fascination that the public has with true crime and this kind of insatiable appetite that there is for for true crime. This is not, you know, something that is meant to be consumed for entertainment. Like Gabby's family is going through something incredibly difficult and incredibly real and going through this this grief, the same way that Jermaine Charlotte's family is still going through it, the same way that Alberta Williams' family has gone through it. Um, Kaysera Stops Pretty Places, Selena Not Afraid, Cleosa Meganus, like there, there are so many Indigenous women and girls whose families are still longing for answers and demanding justice. And the fact that they have had to become vocal advocates for their loved ones on top of going through this incredible trauma and grief of losing them, you know, is just heartbreaking. And I think that, you know, we need to be thinking about the real people who are at the center of of these kinds of viral stories.
0: And it does seem like this moment has sparked some conversation around this, not even just here in the U.S., but also in other countries about how the media covers the disappearance of women who aren't white compared to women who are white. Have you been surprised, heartened, interested at all to see those conversations happening in other countries?
1: As somebody who has been doing this work for as long as I have, it feels like there are these waves of of people talking about, oh, this is important, this is, representation matters, and representation is really important. We're committed to making changes, Um, and, and it feels like it's often slow and 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 not transformative in the way that they need to be what has been changing i think and what i am encouraged and heartened by is that there are so many indigenous people who are speaking up and demanding to be heard and more than ever are finding their own spaces and to share their stories and to share our truths and to shed light on our realities and there are so many you know just incredibly strong people who are pushing these stories
0: into the forefront Connie Walker is a journalist who covers the disappearance of Indigenous women. Her podcast Stolen, The Search for Jermaine, can be found on Spotify and other podcast apps. You also heard Dave Jorgensen. He's the man behind the Washington Post TikTok account. And that's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was mixed by Renny Stronofsky and produced by Jordan Marie Smith and Ariel Plotnik. I'm Emma Telkoff. Martine Powers will be back next week with more stories from The Washington Post.